0: Good evening. I'm William Hosea and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 17th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show, committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting our African-American community. Tonight, we have with us two declared candidates for public offices in Monroe County. They are Ruben Marte, candidate for sheriff, and Matt, Matt Fife, 9th District congressional candidate. Even though midterm elections are a year away, we wanted to hear what these candidates believe in and how they want to make life better for citizens and improve how these respective offices function. We'll first turn our attention to Ruben Marte. The sheriff is the chief law enforcement officer for the county. The sheriff oversees the county's law enforcement department, including deputies and administrative support. County sheriffs typically enforce the law in unincorporated areas within the county, but they will often provide law enforcement services to municipalities that don't have their own police departments. County sheriffs are in charge of county jails. They serve subpoenas, protection orders, and eviction notices. Ruben is currently an Indiana State Police Captain who, in addition to routine law enforcement duties, works extensively to improve police and community relations. He has hosted workshops for civilians and conducted training sessions for Indiana State Police Cadets, and seasoned rank and file. His focus will be creating a greater understanding of the complexities of what it means to protect and serve. So Ruben, welcome. I should say welcome back to Bring It On.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. First
0: and and foremost, uh, tell us a few things about yourself that you may want the audience to know that I didn't cover in, in the intro.
1: Uh, I think you did a good job there. Um, I, I have been with with the state police now. Well, in fact, next month we uh, thirty one years. Well, happy birthday! Uh, oh yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so, in that in that time span, I can tell you, I've been exposed to so many different type of trainings, and 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 uh, the state police has been very very good to me. And and as I've been blessed and got gotten up through the ranks, you know, it exposed me to so many different things. That has prepared me for what I'm for what I'm seeking now. Um, one of the things that I that I that I really really enjoyed and and, and I'll elaborate on that is that for the past eight years, uh, providing training for multiple uh, law enforcement officers, uh, and also the main thing communicating with the community that 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 really really is going really well, and I appreciate that. But particularly, you know, mm-hmm. what what we face as, as a nation with the police and the community. I mean, we, we need more of an understanding and, and, and communication. So so from that aspect, I, I'm very blessed to be given the opportunity to do something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. this is Excuse your me. your very first
0: uh, attempt at public office, right? It is. People don't it typically is. think of a sheriff as being an elected official of public office, but that's exactly what, what this is. Um, So this is your first time. Why are you
1: running for office? You know, it is my first time and and I thought about that and I keep coming back to the same conclusion. Why did I become Indiana State Trooper years ago? And I truly, you know, I I truly enjoy helping people, particularly people that can't help themselves. You know, Um, it's been a, a, a actual journey. And as I look back and thinking, why did I chose this profession? Well, I, I could think of, you know, when I was a young, young, young person and how I was treated by the hands of the police and, you know, it wasn't really always positive. And in fact, it was very scary. And one of the things that 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 I think that instilled in me that if you want to make a change, why not try to make a change from the inside of the department out? So what I mean by that is this, I, I could understand the fear as a young man of the police, but now that I'm an officer myself, I could actually articulate, OK, I understand the fear, but I also understand the law enforcement side as well and try to have a bridge, if you will, to to explain to people that don't know this particular culture. But at the same time, tell the officers, hey, you know, that I already built a report throughout the years when people say that they're fearful of us. There's a reason why we got to pay attention to that. So to me, you know, why? be at this point trying to, to achieve, uh, become an electoral official to be specific to uh, sheriff from Monroe County. Uh, I really do think that at, this is the right time for me. Uh, after serving 31 years with the state police, this is the right time for me to, to, um, uh, uh, try to, uh, uh if I'm winning, which I'm, I'm, i pretty, uh, uh, comfortable that, 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 I'm very qualified to to be the next sheriff for this uh, county that I could definitely help mend the bridge for Moreau County citizens and the police um, um, on both sides, try to educate both both sides.
0: Yeah, you uh, took sure. one of the words right out of my mouth when you when you said bridge, because you grew up in where? New York. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and you had some experiences up there with law enforcement. So oh, you, you can see both sides. Exactly. Uh, you understand the mistrust between uh, communities of color and law mm-hmm. enforcement. And now that you're kind of inside that, that environment, uh, you, you are, to, to use your words, you are able to, to kind of bridge that gap a little bit. Um, how has that been working out? I mean, how effective is that? Or is there any way to
1: measure that? What, what do you see? Well, right now, I tell you, when I started this journey back eight years ago and we put the train together, which is called culture Awareness for Law Enforcement, and, and the verbage was very selective. And at the Wait, same say time, that
0: again? Culture? Culture what?
1: Cultural Awareness for Law Enforcement. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but at the same time, we put another program together for uh, improving police and community relations. And what I, what I realized that the reason why I believe it's so successful is that I could, when I talk to the sworn side, I could give them my personal experiences. So they could try to understand, listen, when, when we talk about certain fears that, that people of color are facing, you know, that's nothing new. It, it, I think it's different between when I was a young man and now is social media. You know, we didn't have iPhones back then, but we have them now. And so when you talk to when I talk to my peers and I tell them about my personal experiences, they know for the fact that if I'm telling them, obviously it's serious. At the same time, what my experiences as a young man helped me with the community, I could tell them, listen, I've been in your shoes. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then if they ask me, I will give them personal experience as well, what I faced. And normally when we could relate to each other now. You know, it is a very difficult and emotional topic to talk about, and it should be, and it's sometimes very difficult on both sides. But I can tell you that when both sides walk away, we don't have to agree on everything, but we walk away with a better understanding how each other is feeling. Because I tell you, I do know the majority of the officers are good people. I know it, I've seen it, I work with them. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge we have people that shouldn't be wearing that uniform. That's just the facts. We cannot walk away from that. Simultaneously, when I talk to the community, I say, listen, I understand the dilemma of the fear that you're facing. But I also want you to understand, too, that these people who are wearing that uniform. Majority of the time are good, decent people, you know, however, I can't negate the, the experiences that's, that, that people have ne- negative experiences at times, very negative. You know, that just doesn't go away. So we have to face those and rectify the problem whenever we come across it. So aside so from aside the fact
0: that you are qualified for the job. Yes. Um, why do you think you're better qualified than your opponents? Um, and, and what unique skills
1: do you bring to the table? I, I, I truly believe right now, uh, what I, unique skills that I bring to the table will be that, that I, I could tell you how um, my experience has been at the hands of the police. And I also could tell you about the police culture. It's it, it, when you could relate to how people feel about uh, a profession, because I felt that way before when I was very young and you could articulate that in the way that people understand it. You could help people try to change the way they see things because sometimes someone innocently might say something, do something, not realizing what they're doing. But when you explain to them, listen, try to see it from my point of view, this is what happened to me and it's still happening now. So to me, what makes me unique is the capability of what I've been doing for the past eight years of actually trying to mend the bridge between two distinct groups of people here that, that, that on both sides have a certain fear. And when you have fear like that and no communication, you know, that's not good. It, it makes it worse. So what I pride myself on is being able to communicate to the community at the same time, be able to communicate to my fellow officers and bring both together. And because the, this is the thing, you don't want to wait for a crisis to happen before you start talking to a group of people. You know, and the reason why I believe it's very successful, not only now uh, do we expand the training to for uh, Indiana State Police, it's, 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 you know, even now, uh, uh, I go out to Ohio Highway Patrol and train their people as well. So for IU University Police Department for for our cadets, um, multiple, multiple different police departments that I'm not listed right now, but it's easily in the thousands of officers that have been trained throughout the years, easily. On the community side, like like programs like yourself, I, that's why I enjoy coming so You talk you talk to other people, uh, but at the same time, the face-to-face communication. Now, last year was very difficult because of the pandemic. However, you know we have done the Zoom programs as well. So when word of mouth gets out about the police side and I get the calls, hey, would you mind coming down and train our people? Absolutely. Or when I get the call and say, hey, would you mind be on the panel? Or would you mind talking to us uh, in a community setting? And they ask you to come back multiple times is a reason for that. And Ruben Marte <laughs> is no stranger to the
0: community. You, you've actually uh, been in different venues, including churches. Yes. What, what are some of the other organizations that, that you spoke to within this community?
1: Oh goodness! Uh, in this community, that many, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has been. It, it really has been. It has been because one of the things also, I'm, a, I'm I'm one of the commissioners for the Hispanic Latino Affairs as well. Yeah. And one of the things that we try to do with that group, that because that that you know, it, 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 it's it's bad enough that you're scared of the police, but then when you speak another language, that's a that's a different another dynamic that it's tough. It really is. So, you know, when I get a chance to actually meet with people that don't speak English um, fluently and don't, don't understand the culture uh, 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 that we live in, in the sense of from their country, you know, we try to educate them. Okay, there's certain things you could do in your country, but that you can't do here. and But do it in a way that that's respectful. It's, 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 a, it's a free envi- and safe environment. And uh, and uh, we answer their questions. So multiple times I have invited uh, the, the chief of police for Bloomington, the sheriff department, IUPD. We've gotten together and allow them to see a different type of uniforms, allow them to to meet other officers so they can feel a little more comfortable talking to us. Because one of the things you don't want, you don't want people to be fearful of you and afraid to approach you.
0: You know, you've been on the program a few times in the past, and I never thought to ask you: Are you bilingual?
1: Yes, yes, I'm I'm fluent in Spanish.
0: Okay, awesome. Um, And at this point, uh, you've actually
1: been been running for how long now? Uh, I I haven't officially announced exactly yet, but 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 you've been organizing. I've been organizing. I've been organizing and, and talking to people. Oh, my God. When is it? But two months now, I think or, or more Probably longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I can't. My time is flying so fast. But you're right. Yeah, you're right. I've, ta- I've talked to so many people right now. So you're 100 percent correct. Yeah. It has been longer than that.
0: OK, so you are seeking the top job in law enforcement, um, in Monroe County.
1: In Monroe County, yes,
0: yeah. What is your perspective on the current state of law enforcement, and uh, what what do you think can be done better or differently? And and uh, yeah, what do you think can well, be done better or differently?
1: What I've learned in the past, for the past, what I've been doing in my capacity is that we and law enforcement have to really communicate with the community and do a whole lot better job explaining our culture. And and, and no it's no one's fault that that the community doesn't understand. The police culture because you know really I, I know it because i've been trained trained throughout the years I've, I've done it for some so long for thirty one years now soon to be thirty one years so I understand the culture but at the same time anytime the law enforcement officer does something that doesn't look correct it could give the wrong message we have to articulate why we do do certain things a certain way we also have to articulate why is it that we we we, uh, for example, there's certain reasons why we train what we train, what we approach the people. It might not look appropriate to the public why we do certain things, but when you explain to them why is it, they understand that, and they might have fear it as much. So, so what I tell people, one of the things that we have in common is this. In a traffic stop, <clears throat> when I hear the public say, listen, I don't know if I have a a good cop, bad cop behind. I get that. That makes sense. On the policeman side, I understand when we say. Well, we don't know if we have a good person or bad person in front of us. That's something that we have in common. But we have to be on the sworn side. We go to a higher, high, higher uh, level of, of, of professionalism. So we have to be able to to articulate why we did certain things. And And you know what? Truly, if things starts going go There's nothing wrong with saying to a person that you stop and listen, I apologize for the way I acted, but let me tell you the reason why I did what I did because there was a reason. And at plenty of times when I've done that and I apologize for, for, for whatever uh, I've done, it goes a long way because well, sometimes, yes. sometimes you use certain verbiage that to the, to the public and say, wait a minute, why would you talk like that? But the public does not see what I'm seeing in that vehicle. So it might change a little bit the way you explain yourself. So, And we got to be careful
0: um, with that subject because we could easily digress and, you know, go oh, in another yeah. direction. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the focus is on your candidacy for sheriff of uh, Monroe County. <laughs>
1: yes, yes.
0: It, you understand what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yes, 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 yes.
0: So, you know, it, it just dawned on me, the uh, Bloomington Police Department uh, recently hired non-law enforcement personnel, uh, social workers, if you will. I, I forget what the official name is for those positions, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, does the sheriff's department have uh, any positions like that? And if not, what what are your thoughts on that?
1: I don't. I don't know. I don't think the Sheriff's department has that, but they do have what they call reserve officers. You know, they don't. They don't actually get a salary from the county, but they're trained just as a merit deputy, and uh, um, I believe but they're not that, trained as social work. No, 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 not 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 at all. Now, my understanding, and I don't, I, 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 my understanding, and bear with me on that one, because my understanding, the the, I don't know if they're social workers. I do know that they respond to calls that they're deemed to be non-violent. Uh, I believe. And- that doesn't uh, require a badge and a gun. It doesn't require a badge and a gun, exactly. Now, but there's another group though, I believe, that wear the white uh T shirt uniform. And I think those are officers, those are sworn. And and okay. they deal deal with, you know, with uh, you know, uh people in crisis type of deal. And I believe they get specially trained for that as well. So um on the sheriff's side, the deputies there are there are I don't know if all of them are trained right now, but I'm pretty sure there are trained uh, for crisis intervention team. Type of deal. Okay. Uh, and and that that approach
0: seems to be uh uh it it seems that it's becoming more and more popular across the country where you have other personnel who are specially trained w- without a, a badge and a gun because. You, you've seen too many scenarios where people who are, are suffering some type of mental health crisis and they can be threatening. Uh, but, but police are only trained to take somebody down, you know, not to necessarily deescalate a person who's having a mental breakdown and all too often it, it, it just goes the wrong way. But sometimes you have people who are specially trained in those areas, you can have a different outcome. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be uh trending more and more across the country i think
1: the in the in the uh right now uh, a lot of departments to include rural county are, are training their officers to be able to de-escalate de- 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 and mm-hmm. to um to a degree now because we're not doctors but to a degree deal with someone that's actually have, having a, a crisis for example if someone is having a crisis instead of you know now instead of just you know treating as a crime you treat it as a person with a with, with, with a medical problem. And uh, you take them to where the hospital, wherever you need to take them instead of, uh, instead of the jail. Um, so the, the, the deputies are highly trained. And uh, I, 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 the ones that I've met, and I've met quite a few of very skillful uh, young men and women for the department that uh, are very professional and then um, and, and do receive that type of training. Um, Uh, as far as how to deal with someone that's having a crisis. So I think it's safe to say that you are what
0: uh, we would have called in the military a master trainer. You've been doing it uh,
1: for quite some time and uh, Mm -hmm. for large audiences. I am a certified trainer through the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy. Okay.
0: Yeah. Now, part of my introduction says that you worked extensively to improve police and community relations, and you provided training uh, in areas within Monroe County, outside of Monroe County. So let, let's focus on implicit bias. I think you, you provided
1: mm-hmm. that training as well, right? I saw a short portion of that. We did a smaller one. Yeah, we're, uh-huh. we're in the pro- process of uh, meaning we, the state police, of, of expanding that now as well. Okay. Because one of the things, you know, when we do the cultural awareness for law enforcement, obviously there's a portion in there for that. But we also do de-escalation training, which is something separate. We also do another training, which is called, uh, oh, my goodness, I'm the it has to do with people that are having a crisis, uh, excited delirium, I'm sorry, excited delirium. We provide that type of training as well. Uh, so, so they all kind of coincide to a degree, which, is, which means you really step back slow things down if you can you really want to slow things down and then provide the proper assistance that that, that needs to be done yeah. so not everything is fast fast now and putting someone on the ground things of that nature the 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 actual culture has is making a shift completely uh, to be able to talk to people as long as need be to try to reduce or stop any type of crisis that's taking place
0: so i I'm, I'm assuming you know some of these unique skills that you bring to the table. if you are successful uh, I'm assuming there's a place for those skills within within the uh, sheriff's department. but we're not going to get too deep into that now We'll, we'll wait uh-huh. until you get the job and uh, okay. we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> all right, all right.
0: but I wanted to ask you um how could how how could that benefit law enforcement? Specifically,
1: the the training.
0: Yes. Well, it, we, we, you it, know, it, we kind of touched on it a minute ago, but I want to get a little bit deeper into it.
1: Sure. Um, when we when we when I mean we mean the, the, the sworn side, when we go through that training, I tell you, it we 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 go back to history. We talk about, for example, we 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 talk about the freedom riders. Why was that? You know why in that error? certain things happen. Uh, in fact, in fact, part of the training, I, I was very blessed to meet John Lewis, the, the late John Lewis, in his, uh, in his office. I saw the picture. Yes, and uh, I'll tell you what, it was a very, very proud, uh, pride. Uh, uh, it was very uh, humbling, I should say, for me to meet that man. If anyone should have ill feeling towards the police, it would have been him. Uh, as a young man, it's like going back in time in his office. I mean, you saw pictures of him being arrested and, 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 and physically abused by the hands of the police. And, you know, when we talked to him, he was so gracious to talk to us and gave us all the time that we needed. And, uh, and he, he was very, very willing to help with the program that we were putting back then. And that was eight years ago when I met, when I met Mr. Lewis at that time. And uh, for him to say, you know, uh, this is a different nation. It's a better country. Uh, for people, for my kids to understand what I went through with the Hans police, you might have to go to a museum. And that was profound for me because at least he gave, gave a different perspective of what he, what he went through. So we take that little video clip that, that we have of him and we show that to the officers. And we tell them, listen, do you, what that man went through and you hear what he's saying, he has no manners towards the police at all. And if anybody should have a reason, it's him. He, he, he just didn't show it. But at the, same, at the same token, when we talk about the history of the Freedom Riders, and we talk to the police officers that haven't even heard of the Freedom Riders and explain to them what took place then and bring them up to speed slowly what's going on now, they see things a little bit differently. Because, again, let's say you and I work together. You and I are going to build a rapport because we've seen certain things that other people won't see or experience. Because when we, when the police gets involved, because something is going wrong to a degree. What I like to do is not meet people when they're having a crisis. I want to do the opposite. I want to be able to meet people when things are going well. That's the reason why I like talking to the community where we could just sit down and have an honest conversation when things are not in the crisis mode. That's when you establish distrust. That's when you establish the bridge. It has to be proactive, constantly proactive. Right. So so with that training, I try to tell the officers, listen, you need to talk to people, reach out to them, okay, because they're fearful of you. So the more you talk to people, the more you engage. Not, you know, when something goes wrong. I'm talking about when 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 you have the time to just stop and talk to people, get out your vehicle and talk to people. It goes a long way. I could tell you when I used to when I was the assistant commander for the Black Expo, I noticed that in that event, it was a, it was, it was a, 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 a happy time, a family event time, and where we worked, meaning the troopers, but we were responsible for the convention center and also the state park. People were there to have a good time, and then we in the mingle with them and talk to people. We would make friends with people we never met before that came to our state, and what I was, what I found to to be true. Is that if you take the time and you and you are an event like that, and you're not there to 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 make an arrest, anything of that nature, you're just there to be social and talk to people in uniform. It really a really push at a level that people are no longer fearful of you because you spend time talking to them in an, in an event that that brings joy to the community.
0: For our uh, listening audience, we are speaking with Ruben Marte, currently serving as captain in the Indiana State Police and also candidate for Monroe County Sheriff. Um, you know, Ruben, there's one issue that I want to, uh, to talk to you about, the Virginia governor's race. It might seem really far removed from uh, the race for sheriff in Monroe County But when you think about it, it has some really uh, uh, broad implications because when you consider someone like Glenn Youngkin, the winner uh, in, in the Virginia governor's race, he represents a party who has historically won elections by preaching law and order. But today, that same party protects violent insurrectionists who attacked and killed police officers as well as a man who's at the center of it all. So as a law enforcement officer, what are your thoughts on a governor who takes that position of protecting violent insurrectionists and, and people who kill police officers? Well, how, how does that make you feel?
1: Well, it doesn't make me feel good though. I, I mean people should and, and, and people should be held accountable when you do wrong acts uh like that um it, it's it, it truly is a it, it is a sad situation where if you're going to say one thing and do something else that that that's not good that's not good at all and you're right you know officers lost their lives and, and 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 injured severely injured you know that's that that would never go away that that would never go away and I can only imagine uh someone has gone through that and then have to hear some of that verbiage you know it, it's it's difficult to 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 explain to someone that, that, that haven't walk, walked in their shoes. Um, because when I saw what I saw there, I tell you what, that it, it sickened me because my goodness, I mean, it, 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 was, it was inhumane to, to watch something like that happen. And to see that people speak highly of the police and, and then you turn around and say certain things that uh, could be construed very, very, very hurtful. To, to people that have uh, been there and uh, uh, and probably still suffering from what took place. It just doesn't go away.
0: Well, um, I had a couple of other questions, but as usual, Ruben, when we have you on, we, we always run out of time. <laughs> but in the last uh, few moments that we have, uh, do you have any parting comments for us before we turn to Matt Fife?
1: Well, I wanted to thank you for inviting me to be on the on the show, I, it's always a pleasure to be on. I, I always enjoy uh, the conversation that we have. Um, it 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 really uh, uh, allows to for the for us to get the message out in the sense of, you know, we have to work together as a team, meaning the police and the community. Um, both sides have very good people that have very good intentions. Um, it's not something that happens overnight, and uh, you know, if I am your next sheriff, I'll definitely be working on that hundred percent because I truly believe you know every time we do a either panel conversation or if I if I you advise me to sit on one of their panel conversation, I tell you it's 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 is it is it a passionate and and, and, and an emotional conversation? Yes it is. But I could tell you when I when I stay back and, and, and talk to the people that were part of it, it always, always, always gets positive feedback. You I I I majority of the time it's positive feedback. And it's because people really want to understand. Okay. And, if you, and if you take the time and talk to people, they will respond in kind. Well, we want to thank you for coming on tonight. And uh, we definitely
0: uh, plan to ask you back so you can give us an update on your campaign.
1: It'd be my pleasure, absolutely. Good seeing you.
0: Now we turn our attention to Matt Pfeiff. Congressional representatives are elected to a two-year term serving the people of a specific congressional district. Among other duties, representatives introduce bills and resolutions. They offer amendments and they serve on committees. Indiana's 9th Congressional District is a district in the U.S. state of Indiana. Located in South Central and Southeastern Indiana, the district stretches from the south suburbs of Indianapolis to the Indiana side of the Louisville metropolitan area. The district's largest city is Bloomington, home to Indiana University. As we mentioned earlier, Matt Fife is a 9th District Congressional Candidate. Matt is a lifelong Hoosier who was born and raised in a small farming community. His mom worked various jobs in schools, as an aide in the library, and most recently as a bus driver. His dad worked 45 years on the railroad and supported their middle-class family with union benefits and pay. Matt's parents taught him the value of working hard, the joy that comes from helping others, and the importance of standing up for what's right. So, Matt, welcome to Bring It On.
2: Well, thank you for having me, William. That was a very nice introduction. I appreciate it. And Matt, I got to say, you don't look like a farmer. <laughs> well, <laughs> so w- born in a in a farming community, uh, I think we we all had our chance to get out there and do some hard work. So. Okay.
0: Well, uh, some of my relatives were farmers, and, and they did it a hell of a lot better than I did. <laughs> I
2: don't it's, think I want to uh, survive. I'm-
0: That's hard work
2: it it is very hard work and i i commend the farmers who are out there doing it and harvesting the fields and um it is it's good work because at the end of the day they know that they're doing good for the people around them and their community absolutely so
0: matt i want to ask you a couple of the same questions that i asked ruben Number, first on the list is why are you running for public office
2: yeah thanks so i am a public high school teacher um i'm a father of 3 And I'm a leader in my local labor union. And part of the reason I'm running for Congress is because when I look around at the partisan politics that are going on nowadays, how many people are kind of tired of D.C. or or tired of our legislators um, letting partisan politics get in the way of actually helping families and teachers and educators and workers. It makes me want to stand up and do something about it. And I think some of that's a little bit of that union attitude in me saying, hey, if, if you see something wrong, uh, you can organize and you can step up and make a difference. And I think I want to promote some unity instead of this divisiveness that's happening around our country right now. Um, as a representative, I'd like to listen to all groups. You know, I feel like many of our representatives, including our current one, listens to certain parties only and is not here for all of us. And I'd like to change that.
0: So Matt, what are you hearing uh, as you travel around the Ninth District and you you do the meet and greets, uh, you kiss babies, and you talk to uh, <laughs> voters? What what are you hearing?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I'm getting receptive feedback about some of the things uh, about just an everyday person running. Um, people are excited to see a teacher kind of step up and go out and listen in the community. People are excited to see to see somebody who has three kids and a family kind of step up and, and go out into the community and listen. And some of the things I, I'm hearing in the community are, are about workers and about educators. Um, a lot of the people I'm talking to are teachers, are educators, not all, but a lot are at this point. And some of the things I hear are, you know, these last 10 years here in Indiana, we've had a, a super majority in the state house And a lot of the state house politics, uh, particularly around education, haven't been to the liking of many teachers and administrators and other educators. We've made a big shift towards charter schools, and these charter schools aren't held accountable in many ways, and it it, it loses a lot of money, not just for public education, but for our taxpayers. We're paying a lot of money to these charter schools, and many of them have, uh, you know, most actually, almost all of them have failing grades. And that just doesn't seem fair to our students. It doesn't seem fair to us as taxpayers, um, and yet there's no debate about that at, at, at the state level. You know, Because there's a supermajority, they don't need to listen to both sides. Um, they can just kind of do what they want, and, and they've pushed this charter kind of movement. So that's one thing I'm hearing. Another thing I'm hearing is just health care. Um, people need health care around the district. People want lower prescription drug prices. People want to be able to access health care easier. Um, and, and lastly, I think I'm hearing a lot about just the economy in general. Um, people want to know that they have a good job, that they have good benefits, and people want to know that at the end of the day, they can take care of themselves and their families. And so I think some of those are some of the worries I'm hearing as I go around the district, some of the bigger ones, at least that continue to come up.
0: You know, you just said something that uh, I was not aware of. I probably should be, but I, I wasn't. You said most charter schools are failing.
2: so that that yeah so it is accurate there are so they're graded on an a to f scale and it's um the biggest school in the state um is actually an online charter school uh which is an amazing thing to me to think that you know technology has come a long way right and we can get we can get kids an education in many different ways but we often talk about, you know, as parents, we want that education for our kids. We want our kids to be in school. We want our kids to be socialized. We want our kids to have that good connection with their teachers and their administrators. And these larger online charter schools, sure, they offer, they offer really good things in certain ways. You know, you can, uh, you can get an education from, from a distance. You can kind of do certain extracurricular activities that you might not have been able to do in a public school. But at the same time, I think we're losing a lot of that community feel. Um, And these charter schools that are that are that have that lower grade of an F. um, I think the question becomes why a lot of times and why are they allowed to continue to siphon money from a public education system in our communities? As you watch a lot of school systems having to consolidate, you know, uh, down in Lawrence over in Brown County, as you watch these school systems having to consolidate, You're losing elementary schools that have been the backbone of certain communities, Um, you know, after school programs in these schools. You're having to drive farther to get to these schools. And you wonder why charter schools are then kind of allowed to continue to take that money away when they're not doing well and they're not performing well to begin with.
0: It's like pouring money down a black hole. You get I guess you could say you get no return on it if most of them are failing.
2: Absolutely well, not. And that's the thing about public education. That's the thing that parents want for their students. And we want, you know, we want for other people's kids as well is to, to be able to kind of live that American dream, right? To be educated in a yeah. way that when you grow up, you can find success. Um, And I, we all want the best for our kids. And I think we need to make sure that we're prioritizing schools so that we're doing that.
0: And and that's just one issue that's really near and dear to everyday working folks, right? So what what are some of the other things that you're hearing that people really care about? Absolutely. And 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 we're going to come back to the topic of education because that's really a hot button issue in other places around the country. So we'll come back to that. But go ahead, please.
2: It's uh it sure is a hot button. Speaking of the Virginia governor race, um,
0: don't worry, I yeah, I was so other,
2: yeah, I will definitely. So coming back, we'll, we can come back to it later. Um, so one thing that I've been hearing as I go around the district, um, one interesting thing I've been hearing is just the amount of money that is actually coming in through the American Rescue Plan. Um, and I think I've been hearing that because I've, because I've been talking to people locally, you know, local governor or governments, um, people in city councils, mayors, that sort of thing, uh, people who are just informed enough to know kind of where this money is coming in and going to. And the American Rescue Plan was passed by President Biden pretty quickly uh, when they came into office. And it is. It is drastically putting money right back into our communities. Um, we mentioned public education. It's it's being funded in a way that hasn't been funded in a good 15 years here in Indiana directly because of that American Rescue Plan. So as you talk to teachers right now who are going through bargaining, um, you're hearing kind of these success stories of we're able to do these programs with students that we haven't been able to do. We're able to raise teacher salaries like we should have been able to these past 15 years. But you also go around and you hear about fire departments who are being, uh, you know, they weren't getting the tax revenue from the city because there wasn't as much economic growth going on during the pandemic. And you hear about those being developed. Um, You hear about wastewater treatment plants uh, directly being impacted through this money. And you hear about some of the other good ideas that are coming from it. Um, And so that's one big thing that I've been hearing is just, we're able to kind of move forward because of this money that's coming into local communities. Um, And it's really neat to hear.
0: You know, um, Matt, I really have to commend you for taking on a race, considering the machine that you're up against and and i'm sure you've heard about that more times than than you would prefer although it's a monumental task it's not impossible right look at aoc even though she ran against a democrat but she still ran against someone who was entrenched in that in that mm-hmm. seat and then a few years back there was this uh first term obscure senator named Barack Obama he took on mm-hmm. another machine and, and and he won so it's not impossible but on the other hand, do you ever have that Rocky Balboa moment where you sit up in bed at 3 a.m. in the morning and say, who am I kidding? And and if not, if you haven't felt that way, what keeps you focused and motivated besides your family? I know they have a lot to do with it.
2: You know, I'd be lying if I didn't have those Rocky Balboa moments as you described it. Um, <laughs> But I think what keeps me going is when I really get out there and talk to people and and I do hear the excitement and the encouragement of this is worth it. You know, it's worth it's worth you getting out here and speaking about these good issues. It's worth you getting out here and showing showing others that they can get involved in their local politics. You don't have to. You know, as a high school teacher, I'm stepping up for a pretty big office And I'm hoping to encourage others to step up to offices and it may be local offices, but to say, you can get involved a little bit more. Um, It doesn't have to be a scary process. And I think seeing others realize that and seeing that they can step up and impact their local communities in a really good way um, has been encouraging. And I will also say, I think, if you don't mind me bringing up the Virginia governor's race, uh, Virginia has been, Virginia has gone Democrat for a long time now. And we just saw it flip. And I think, you know, historically, when you speak about the, uh, I think there's the thermostat uh, model, right? Somebody came up with a the thermostat model. The Democrats are kind of, uh, the thermostat model says, we uh, we as in our households, we go and we turn up the thermostat a little bit and it gets too hot. And then we turn it back down. It gets too cold and we turn it up a little bit. And we're trying to find that right, right balance in our house. And the thermostat model, when you when you make the analogy to politics is well, we elected President Biden, Democrats are in control nationally. And so there's always this kind of give and take. You see as the midterms come that maybe it's swinging back a little bit towards the Republicans and then eventually it'll swing back towards the Democrats a little bit. And this this change of power. And you might say, well, Matt, doesn't that actually, you know, won't that potentially hurt you? Um You know at this national seat it 'll be swinging even more towards the Republicans, but I think here in indiana we 've seen these last fifteen years it 's been controlled by the by the g o p and it doesn 't have to be for forever um we 're seeing that if people step up and and have a message a cohesive message that they can win um I think one thing that youngkin did. Um, that potentially the other side didn't do as well was at least have a cohesive message. Now I'm not saying I agree with the message, but he talked about education a lot. He talked about some of these issues that really did fire up voters, whereas I think um, you see the other side talking about issues that were maybe in the past a little bit, uh, bringing up issues that didn't quite resonate as well, Um, and along with the historical, the thermostat model here, uh, having kind of playing an uphill battle. I think it's definitely possible, and I think it's worth it to stand up and to to begin making that difference in your community. You
0: know, um, is the Virginia governor's race was very interesting. Yes, Yunkin talked about education, but it was based on a complete lie.
2: Complete lie.
0: A complete lie. And I think if Terry McAuliffe were to be at fault for anything, it was not figuring out how to counter that lie. And and then uh, of course I was watching Rachel Maddow, like a lot of people do mm-hmm. last night. And she was saying that Democrats should look at this as a victory because of that thermostat history that uh, the governors usually flip in Virginia and New Jersey after each presidential election going all the way back to the 80s. Except this time, they only lost one of those governor's seats. and that was Virginia. Of course, the guy won in New Jersey, Murphy, won in New Jersey by a slim margin. But they still kept, uh, you know, they they kind of, yeah, yeah. They defied history somewhat. But to be perfectly honest, a a lot of people are are angry at, at Democrats and Terry McAuliffe about what happened in that race. Here's my take on it, and then I want you to tell me how you feel. If I were to be angry with anyone, it's not the Democratic Party, it's not Terry McAuliffe, it's those white voters in Virginia who keep falling for the con and buying into the lie, especially white women who went for Yunkin by 50, 57% uh, versus uh, Terry McAuliffe. And then when the spit hits a fan, like it, like it did uh, when Doug Jones ran in, in Alabama, that same group of people will turn to black voters to to you know to be allies and and pushing back against something that they know is is not good for the state, but then they'll, they'll turn against uh, black folks in our interests, you know, the next time around. So that's what angers me. What what do you think?
2: You know, I think you touched on a lot of really good things there. Um, The first one is the big lie, the the push about CRT, right? Right. We need people who are going to stand up and take a strong stance that, first of all, CRT, as as it is currently defined, is not in our school systems. It's not in the Virginia school system. It's not in the Indiana school system. So when we're complaining about it, I don't know what's there other than... these these politicians who are in office are trying to scare, trying to rally their voters. And I agree with you. I think that scare tactic is part of the reason I'm standing up. I'm I'm tired of the partisan politics. I want to work together. I want to build bridges with people. I want to make sure that we can unite and work together to build great schools. Secondly, um, I think we need people who can communicate that message well. Um, there was also a big push about parent choice, right, in Virginia. I think that was kind of the other education issue that was a hot button topic. There was some, as a math teacher, there were also some uh, some issues around math curriculum, uh, which I like to see, but we'll skip that topic. And as a parent, it's important to be able to choose your education. You know, as a parent myself, I understand that. I want the absolute best education for all three of my kids. Um, And we need to continue to push that for parents. But we also need to communicate the ways that parents can do that in the public education system currently. You know, we have really good school boards that are set up to to give parents a voice. We have administrators who are really good about hearing parents out and and then communicating that with staff. And I think those appropriate channels for parents within the public education system is a really great option to begin with. Pushing these choice models like we've seen in Indiana, where you're opening up charter schools that, again, aren't making it for our districts, that are taking money away from the public schools, isn't working. Um, It's definitely not working in Indiana, especially with the follow through. And these these charter schools don't actually have the same sort of oversight that public schools do. So when you say parent choice, like, yes, some parents are able to transport their kids to these charter schools. Some parents are able to to make it to these charter schools. Um, And certain charter schools can just say no to parents as well and students, which is also egregious, you know, if you have a, so, but that's another story. But the oversight of these charter schools, there's no actual way for the parent to really go to the school board because there's not usually a school board over these charter schools. So if there is an issue that you're seeing as a parent, you actually have less choice. And then if you would want to go back to the public education system, like I said, we're consolidating schools, you're losing these elementary schools, and you have less choice in your public education system. And so I think, yes, we need parent choice. We need some innovation in our schools. We need to be able to have good parents who are who are talking to schools and administrators. We need to make sure the parent involvement is high. But the way that the way that it's being pushed in its current form, especially in Indiana, just isn't working.
0: And if uh, there are no school boards, that goes right back to what you said about no accountability.
2: Yeah. Right. It also I will say it also scares me a little bit. There have been rumors, um, maybe strong rumors about making school boards partisan here in Indiana. So putting an R or a D or an independent or whatever next to your name on the school board. And again, it's one of those things where it just seems to be pushing our society towards this more partisan and more divisive topics. School boards shouldn't be partisan. School boards should be there to make sure that the best things are happening for our students because that improves our communities. And at the end of the day, we don't need we don't need hires that are partisan. We don't need whole school corporations that are that are leaning one direction politically. Uh, what we need is just people focused not on parties but on the students. So
0: your um, opponent, you know, we all live in the ninth district. I can't tell you when the last time was that I heard something from this guy. So it appears that he's hiding behind the Republican brand and and just riding it for as as far and as long as it'll take him. But he common sense just tells me he cannot keep doing that. And so I know you're out here trying to talk as much as you can, see as many people as you can. Are you seeing any progress in your efforts?
2: You know, I am seeing some. Um, And I don't want to put it in my back pocket, but I'm hoping that this next month or so I can make some of this progress a little bit more public. I'll put it that way. But I do want to go back to what you said about the opponent, Representative Hollingsworth. Um, I also don't hear much from him. He'll say things like, this costs too much, but he doesn't say exactly what costs too much. He'll say things like, we shouldn't vote for that because the other side came up with it, but he doesn't say what's good or bad about the plan necessarily. He doesn't actually give many of his views. I have recently heard two interesting things about him just within the past few days. Number one is that he is rumored to be wanting to run for governor in 2024. Now, as somebody who came in here uh, five years ago or so, moved to Indiana five years ago or so and ran for politics, one of his big things was that he's an outsider. He's not somebody who wants to be in this political game forever. He thinks term limits are important. And yet now he wants to run for a different office. You know, he wants to run for a higher office. He wants to run for a Hoosier office for governor, even though he hasn't lived here for very long. Those type of thing, you know, that type of thing where it's that hypocritical kind of nature where he's, like you said, kind of hiding behind not his issues, but just his brand, his, his party, that kind of bothers me. The second thing is he recently came out against the Build Back Better plan, and he specifically listed um, seven or so issues from it. And he said, can you believe at this shopping list that the Democrats want to pass? And I, I'm going to read you that shopping list. He was angry about this, that Democrats want to pass these things. He was angry that we want to pass child care, that we want to help families. That way they can go to work and they can have good child care for their kids. Affordable housing was on the list. Lower prescription drug costs. Um, He was angry that we are, that Democrats are potentially thinking about home and community based care to making sure that we can take care of our elders and our disabled And then millions of good-paying jobs is on the list. I don't know how somebody could be mad at millions of good-paying jobs. I don't know if you know those just are things that help everyday people in their community. And he's tweeting that it's not important. And again, this is somebody who doesn't share his views very often, like you said. And so when he does share his views, I'm I'm just amazed by how out of touch he seems.
0: Everything that you listed are things that he doesn't have to worry about.
2: He does he not He is need. one of the richest members of Congress. Yeah. That is on his uh there was a box he had to check when he first went in that says he has over 50 million. Wow. Um that would be me working for about 1000 years straight without paying for anything.
0: You you did the math. Huh?
2: <laughs> well, as a math teacher, that was uh, I was curious, yeah. <laughs> of course. Well,
0: uh, Matt, just like we did with Ruben, we're down to the last couple of minutes. So are there any parting comments uh, that you want to share with us?
2: Yeah, I, first of all, I just want to thank you. Um, this has been wonderful. I'll say is I haven't been on the radio, I think, since I was in high school. Um, so being here on Bring It On was really nice. Uh, so I want to thank you for that. I also want to thank Ruben. It was great listening to him. Um I've heard you a few times now, and you are uh, knowledgeable beyond belief, and I, I, I wish you all the best. Um, lastly, I'd say if you're interested in flipping the district here and, and helping get out there and organize and helping spread a message about everyday people, uh, you can go to mattfife.com. So that's M-A-T-T-F-Y-F-E.com. Um, there are buttons there where you can read more information about me and the campaign. You can join the campaign uh, in various different ways. You can have somebody reach out to you even. Um, And finally, you could contribute. Uh, Probably wouldn't be a good politician if I didn't at least mention that.
0: Well, gentlemen, it's been great. And uh, I'm serious when I say we would, uh, we're going to keep our finger on the pulse of the campaign. So we're going to ask both of you to come back at some point and and give us an update. Let's know how things are going. And on that note, we want to thank Ruben Marte, candidate for sheriff, and Matt Fife, ninth district congressional candidate, for joining us to share their respective platforms ahead of the midterm elections, less than one year away. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Please send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share any and everything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience at Bloomington and beyond. That email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Also, if you have an event or happening that the African-American community should know about, please send that info directly to our staff. Or if you want additional info about a calendar item, you can contact us at that same email address, bringiton at wfhb.org. Our show's executive producer is Clarence Boone, assistant producer is yours truly, consultant and WFHB news department director is Cade Young. Our program engineer is Chantal Lafontant. Our original theme music was created by Jamil F.M. with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I am William Hosea. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB.